Hi, welcome to James Miller Lifeology, where you learn to simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. My name is James Miller. I'm a licensed psychotherapist and a composer. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Let's get started. I wanted to take just a quick moment to thank you all who continually support and listen to James Miller Lifeology. I have been so blessed and honored by your continual support. I wanted to make sure that you don't miss out on anything exciting that's happening over here. So make sure you sign up for my free newsletter at jamesmillerlifeology.com. I have a great show for you today. I'm going to help you overcome your prognosis. I'll also be interviewing author Dar Kurtz, the international blogger of Crazy Perfect Life. She shares her personal story of overcoming her prognosis of cancer. She also shares her latest book, Crush Cancer, Personal Enlightenment from a Cancer Survivor. You may purchase this book on Amazon or on jamesmillerlifeology.com. For more information about Dara, please visit crazyperfectlife.com. <laughs> I have some exciting news. Did you know that I'm on the radio three times a week? You may hear me on the same station on Tuesdays at 1.30 p.m., Fridays at 9.30 a.m., and Saturdays at 12.30 p.m. You may also hear me anytime on iHeartRadio as well as on all the other major podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and many others. Simply search for the show name, James Miller Lifeology. Are you struggling today to find your purpose? Has mediocrity set in and you can't imagine doing the same thing for the rest of your life? Are your relationships struggling or you aren't sure how to make long-lasting changes in your life? Then today, contact me, James Miller. I will help you recognize the areas in your life that are going really well, and then we'll look at the areas in which you are struggling. We will create actionable solutions to help you create long-lasting changes in your life. You don't have to do this alone. Go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com, and click on the page, Work with James. Fill out the form, and it will be sent directly to me. Don't let another day go by without finding your way. Your change can start today. Once again, go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com and click on the page, work with James. Fill out that form to get started today. A young schoolboy named Glenn Cunningham was caught up in an explosion at a school. He and his brother Floyd were badly burned and sadly, Floyd passed away. Doctors recommended amputating both of Glenn's legs, but he was so distressed that his parents helped him stop them from carrying out this procedure. The doctors informed the family that it was likely he would never walk normally again. He had lost all the flesh on his knees and shins, lost all of his toes on his left foot, and almost completely destroyed his transverse arch. Glenn, however, was determined, and with an immeasurable amount of hours spent in therapy, he gradually regained the use of his legs. In the early summer of 1919, some two years after the incident, Glenn began walking again. He started walking to school. Then he started running to school, and it was here he developed his love for running. In college, Glenn made the track team. Then, in February 1934, in Madison Square Garden, Glenn, who was told he would not survive, would never walk again, ran the world's fastest mile. He competed in both the 1932 Summer Olympics as well as the 1936 Summer Olympics. While on the ship traveling from the U.S. to Germany, he was voted most popular athlete by his fellow Olympians. Not known by many, the greatest American miler of all time, Glenn Cunningham's story is an inspiration to all of us when we are in our darkest hours. Regardless what your prognosis is or what you've been told, you determine your success. Overcoming Your Prognosis I've once heard it said that rain falls on the just and the unjust, meaning it doesn't matter if you're considered a good person or, quote, bad person, life is going to happen to you. There are going to be many things in your life which blindside you. This can be in relationships, in finances, in health, in your employment. Many different types of things will happen throughout your life. One of the most important things to do is when you get this prognosis, in other words, this perception of how your future is going to be, when you first hear something, of course, you're going to be overwhelmed. And yes, there's a natural grieving time, but that time comes to an end. And then what? You have to immediately determine what you're going to do. For example, you've heard me give this analogy before. If I were to come up and startle you, of course, you'd be scared. 
But if you're scared for the next hour, that doesn't make sense, does it? So it's the same type of thing, the initial grieving process of the, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening, that natural emotion for the prognosis that you hear. But if that lasts longer than the initial surprise of it, then the difficulty is, is that becomes a lifestyle. That becomes the victimhood mentality. By no means am I minimizing what you're experiencing or what you're going through. This lesson is just simply to empower you, to encourage you to realize that after the initial shock of that prognosis, you have a wonderful opportunity to really empower yourself. And of course, I want to really validate your struggle right now, because as we all know, in the moment, it's so hard to see anything other than the situation we're in. There is a fancy term in psychology called radical acceptance. And you'll hear me talk a little bit later about this in the interview with Dara. But radical acceptance itself is you're looking at the facts. You're not looking at the emotional feelings that you're experiencing. You're looking just simply at what the facts are. The facts say this. The experts say this. This is the reality. Not how do I wish the reality was or I can't believe this is happening to me. But when you really look at the facts in more of a logical way, then you start to realize what your options are. First off, remember what you're experiencing is an event. It's not who you are. If this is a sickness, if this is a relationship struggle, whatever it might be, you are not the event. You're an amazing, wonderful person, regardless of the prognosis. So with this radical acceptance, and once again, it does not mean you like what you're experiencing, but it's just simply the facts are the facts right now. What is in your power to change in the moment? When you look around you, there may feel as if there's nothing externally that you can change. But what you can change is how you look at the situation. What you immediately tell yourself, in other words, your self-talk, determines your emotional endurance as you go through this event. The people with whom you associate are the people who are going to support you. It's important for you to really reach out to these people. And I know many people don't like to talk to other people when they're struggling, and I get that. But whomever those support people are, let them know that you're struggling. Let them know that you're going to need the support. And of course, these people love you and want to be a part of your life. And so they will support you in whichever way you'd like for them to. If it's simply cleaning your house, making you food, sending you a random text now and again, those are things you can direct them to do. But if we get caught up in the rage or the anger or the despair of any situation, and of course, that's a normal process to feel that. But if you get lost in that, that is not proactive and you're going to struggle to get through this. And unfortunately, we know that all things have a beginning and an end. There is an end to this prognosis. There is an end to something. And I don't mean that in a terminal way. I just simply mean once you get on the other side of the acceptance part of it is when you can start to live again. So the more quickly and proactively you accept this radical acceptance, start to focus on what you can do instead of what you cannot do, that helps you live a fulfilled life regardless of what the world may say your prognosis is. I'm so sorry you're experiencing this, but I am hopeful that you will find your answer. You will find your way. Your prognosis doesn't define you. You define you. Did you know I have a YouTube channel? That's actually how Lifeology started. I have well over 155 episodes that I've created specifically for you. I do know that many people struggle with listening to a full 30-minute show. So these episodes are about three minutes long. Each episode will give you a practical tool or technique that you can practice daily to help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. Simply go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com, or go to YouTube and search for my name, James Miller Lifeology. After being diagnosed with breast cancer in 2014, Dar Kurtz left her 20-year career as a successful financial advisor to focus on writing. Today, she is cancer-free, and her blog, Crazy Perfect Life, has over 175,000 followers internationally. She is a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, and her new book titled Crush Cancer, Personal Enlightenment from a Cancer Survivor, and the companion workbook are now available through Amazon.com, on this website, jamesmillerlifeology.com, and other online book retailers. Welcome to my show, Dara. Hi, thank you for having me. Yes, it's such a pleasure. I cannot wait to hear this phenomenal story. Thank you. Yes, so now you were diagnosed at 42 years old. I was. 
from what I read about you, your life seemed like everything was going incredibly well, living the dream, and you just went to the doctors for antibiotic. Life was great. I had two kids at the time. They were 11 and 15. I had been married for a long time. I had a great career and things were going really, really well. And I had a cold. I couldn't seem to shake. Hmm. So I went to the doctor to get antibiotics. But it turns out I got a little bit more than antibiotics. I I can't even imagine what that's like. So here you are just going for something, I'll I'll say trivial, even though it's not, but going trivial just for antibiotics because you had a cold. And to be diagnosed with this, I, I can't even imagine what that must have been like for you. It really takes your breath away. When I was at that appointment, the doctor said, I think we need to get more tests done. So it doesn't really happen overnight, Mm -hmm. but immediately you're in this zone where you feel like you can't even breathe and you feel like you're kind of going through the motions of life until you get the final diagnosis. And for me, that diagnosis was breast cancer. Wow. I'm so sorry to hear that. I I can't even imagine. I'm sure so many of my listeners right now can relate with that, uh, obviously, since it's so prevalent nowadays. And then what do you do from there, though? So you hear this. You get the final information, you go home, and then what? You go home, you get the final information, you and you have a ton of tests. Like I said, it doesn't happen overnight. Uh-huh. You have tests, you wait to get the results, you are in complete crisis mode. And I can't say my coping skills were as good as I thought they would be. Mm. Um, because you're in shock. Yeah. You don't know you don't know what to do. But we waited until we got the final diagnosis to tell my kids. Getting cancer is never a good thing, but having young children makes it especially Mm. challenging because you have to tell your kids. We waited till we had all the information and then we shared it with them. But I was very lucky. I had found it relatively early Mm. and I had a lot of great things going for me. Wow. Okay. And then with the whole prognosis itself, I mean, that would make sense that you'd want to know all the details because just to throw it out there and then not have an idea of what the prognosis was or what the options were, that, that's, that's painful for anybody, but for children as well when that's their mother. Absolutely. And you have to really think about where your kids are in terms of their relationship with the word cancer. Mm-hmm. My kids had two parents, friends who had parents who had unfortunately passed away mm-hmm. relatively recently. Oh, wow. And so we, we definitely needed to keep that in mind when we shared with them what was going on in our situation. Sure. Sure. And I'm sure that's just so hard anyway, to grieve yourself, but also to protect your children. You know, in my, in psychology, we have a fancy term that's called a dialectic, which essentially mm-hmm. means you have multiple emotions at once and trying to do multiple things. And sometimes it's hard. I mean, so this is a very <laughs> powerful example of a dialectic of your own emotions, but also protecting your children as well. Absolutely. It is challenging to say the least. Yes. Now going back, you said that you didn't think your coping skills were as good as possible. Well, first I want to validate that because I don't think anybody is prepared for that. (laughs) (laughs) We we know what it's like if someone cuts us off, but we don't know how to deal with this. I definitely think that I was 42. I was taking care of myself. I never had a weight issue. I did P90X every, almost every day. Cancer really was not something that I thought I was going to have to deal with at age 42. Mm -hmm. It does run in my family, but again, I never thought that I would hear the words, you have cancer at age 42. And so it really did take my breath away, and I was shocked. And it took me a little while to to come to terms with that. Mm -hmm. And And we'll definitely jump into the book in just a second, but what does that mean, come to terms with it? How do you find that radical acceptance? In other words, this, this, this is what it is. How did you come to terms with that? It doesn't happen overnight. You have to give yourself a lot of grace. You have to be patient because you're going to be angry. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to hear the words, you have cancer. And when it happens, you feel shocked, you feel scared, you feel angry, and it takes time, time to sit with it, 
time to really understand what it means and time to learn how to live with it. Wow. And, and I think that's, and that really only comes with time. I mean, I hate to be cliche like that, but it's true in yeah. that respect. So you went from your financial career and you decided to do this amazing blog. How did you make that transition? I always say that life is broken into two categories after you hear the words you have cancer. It's really BC, which stands for before cancer and AC, which stands for after cancer. Ah. And once you get into the other group, you, there's no going back. And it's not really something that you want to have a membership in. It's not a club you want to sure. be in. But once you, once you are in that club, you're in it for life. And so BC, I was a financial advisor. I had done it for over 20 years and I loved it. I was really happy. But after I went through everything and saw what I saw on my journey, thinking about money all the time really didn't seem very important. Sure, but and so I quit my job and I started my blog, Crazy Perfect Life. I wanted to find my voice and I wanted to help and inspire people. Now, did you, did you even have any inkling that it would reach of 175,000 people internationally? I had no idea <laughs> what I was doing. <laughs> um, yeah, I just thought I want to find my voice. Uh -huh. I was at the beach with my friends on spring break with my family, and I was throwing out a bunch of names of what we wanted to call my blog, and I thought, crazy perfect life. Hmm. I love it. Yeah. And so I started it, and it's been amazing. I talk to people every single day from all over the world, and that's my favorite part. It's wow. just connecting with people and yeah. hope and, and helping them and inspire, inspiring them to maybe get through some of the challenges they're facing. Wow. Now, was this, I'm assuming this is part of your own emotional healing as well. It was truly when I write, it feeds my soul. And mm. obviously when I'm writing, I'm getting things out, but also knowing that other people are reading it for a writer, you want to know that people are reading your work, knowing and having talked to some of the people that are the recipient of some of the things I'm writing, knowing how they how much it means to them definitely inspires me. Wow. So it's definitely twofold. That's for sure. Yeah. Now, how does, when you came up with the book, Crush Cancer, Personal Enlightenment from a Cancer Survivor, how did that come about? So I always wanted to write a book. I really did. This is not the first book that I thought I was going to write that. <laughs> sure, um, not the but, topic. You know, that's the thing about life is you have to be open to the possibilities. And my blog just sort of took off and then writing a book about cancer seemed to make sense. Mm. I had a lot of things that I wanted to say, a lot of things that I wanted to do to help people. Yeah. Let me take you back to the beginning. I want to share a story sure. with you that I think your listeners will really like. So when I was initially diagnosed, everyone was sending me flowers. At one point, we had over 20 different flower arrangements oh in our house. And the school guidance counselor called me and she said, Dara, you need to get rid of the flowers. They are causing your daughters a lot of anxiety because your mm. house looks like a funeral parlor. Oh, wow. And, and so I realized that we didn't need flowers. What we needed was hope and inspiration. And what we needed was this book. And so this really is the book that I needed when I heard the words, mm. you have cancer. Wow. And, and so many levels there. I mean, it makes so much sense. You know, I, I think there's so many, a lesson there in itself. People have such good intentions, but often good intentions are not what is needed. And so for you to have this insight from this guidance counselor to help you reframe it, which a launch pad for you to say, yes, hope is what I need. And, and to really use that to say, how can I help other people? So I think in that moment, you don't know what you don't know until it's literally in your face like that. Exactly. Wow, that's beautiful. And so what, what would you think would be different about your book from other uh, cancer books as well? 
there really aren't any books out there that are exactly like Crush Cancer. And uh-huh. I want to say that even though I did have breast cancer, this is a cancer book. It is not a breast cancer book because it speaks to, to anyone who's going through any type of cancer. It's also written for the patient, but caregivers, family members, friends, anyone going through it. Mm-hmm. There are over 50 tips throughout the book full of information that can be used immediately regardless of where someone is on their journey. And at the end of every chapter, we have what I call a tribe tip, which speaks directly to the caregiver or patient's family, something that I think they need to think about regarding wherever that patient is on their journey. Wow, that, that's great. And we definitely want to get to some of these 50 specific tips in just a second. That's really good to hear that this is a book that's specifically for all readers, you know, from all different parts of that, you know, as far as the uh, the actual patient or just the caretakers. Because I think many times books are focused specifically on the patient and not the support group of all the people that are involved. And, and sometimes they can feel a little isolated from that. I 100% agree with you, and I also think that there are things that a caregiver or a friend or family member needs to hear from their perspective, Mm -hmm. and this book really does try to address that. Well, it validates it as well. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Well, let's jump into some of these tips. There's 50 specific tips that will make life a little easier for for people. Can you give us a couple of those? Of course, we don't want to give it all away because we want them to purchase the book. I would love to hear some of these. So um, again, the book kind of walks through someone getting a diagnosis from going through whatever their treatment plan is to learning how to thrive after they survive. So there's Mm -hmm. tips from anywhere on that journey. But one of my tips would be stay off your computer until you have all the facts. Mm. It's easy to want to Google statistics and treatment plans, especially at the beginning when you're waiting to find out exactly what you're dealing with. But wait until someone in a white jacket tells you exactly what you're dealing with before you start Googling all that information. Because there are some pretty scary Mm -hmm. stories out there on the internet. And I think I stumbled on every single one of them. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine what that is. I mean, to have a potential prognosis or not know what the prognosis is, but a potential diagnosis and then to feed your mind and your heart and your spirit with all those negative things, because it's you, it's (laughs) unfortunately the, uh, the the internet has many more of Mm. those types of statistics than they do the people who are cancer free. So I I think that's a brilliant tip there. That is a very good point. Absolutely. Another thing is don't make it harder for yourself. I sported a really bad attitude when I was going through my treatment and I made things much harder for myself. You've got to help yourself manage your attitude. Do something for yourself that's fun every day, even when you're going through treatment. Figure out what works for you and then do it. You know, I think that's a really good point. I mean, I can say this on this side of, 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 the, of the mic here, but to really manage one's emotions because, you know, on a daily basis, we can manage that as far as, oh, you know, I can think differently. But when you have something that's so fear-based or something that could be so permanent or so terminal, how, do you, how did you specifically do that? How, what was your specific tools and techniques that you found for yourself that works that would be a really good example of, of how my listeners could also overcome this? Well, it took time for me to figure it all out. Mm -hmm. I wasn't positive when I was going through it. I didn't use all of these techniques immediately. But one thing that really helped me is I developed a mantra for myself. And I know it sounds maybe hokey pokey new agey, but it's really not. It Mm -hmm. works. Yes. You have to figure out what speaks to you. And every time you feel fear creeping into you, into your life, you have to change that thought and replace it with something that's positive and and uplifting, a sentence or a group of sentences that you find that kind of make you feel calmer. And so I developed a a mantra for myself. I typed it out and put it in a picture frame Mm. right by my bathroom sink 
whenever I started to feel scared, I would immediately recognize that and try to replace it with more positive statement. And it really worked. That's amazing. In fact, my workbook, which is a supplemental workbook to the book Crush Cancer, has over 100 different exercises that someone can do. And um, one chapter does talk a lot about establishing your personal mantra and what it can do for you and how to go about doing that. Wow. You know, and I just want to piggyback off on that as well. First off, congratulations on that. I mean, that's such a powerful lesson. And not only a lesson you learn them, but a lesson you can take moving forward as well. But you know, the, the concept of faith versus fear to ask us to do the same exact thing, believe in something that may or may not be true. And so for you, that version of the mantra was more faith-based as far as uh, faith and hope that things are going to change. It gave you the ability to find that. And I think that's a lesson we all can learn that we have that choice in every moment to either be more faith-driven or more fear-driven because once again, they ask us to do the same thing. It doesn't really matter where you are in life. Even if you are a cancer patient or you're not a cancer patient, we're all going to have things that cause us anxiety and stress and fear. Mm -hmm. And so we can either choose to get, give into that, or we can choose to go the other route to, to have faith, to pull ourselves forward, to inspire ourselves, to be hopeful and to believe in ourselves. And that's what I think crush cancer will really do for someone going through a struggle especially a cancer diagnosis. Yes, exactly. How was your family during that time when you were using that mantra? How were they supportive of you? Because I'm sure that's a really good example of other support groups when they read this book, how they can, your family can emulate how a, um, a support group should, should interact with you. You know, funny story. My, my family really didn't even know I had this mantra. Oh, really? Until I wrote this book. <laughs> yeah, it was something that I hadn't really shared with them. Um, in fact, they would leave and my kids would go to school, my husband would go to work, and I have a space in my house where I practice yoga, mm -hmm. and I started doing that and taking time for myself every day and really trying to connect with my thoughts. And when they left the house, I was still so angry that this had happened to me, yeah. and I would scream. And at, at first I would scream, and it wasn't very good, but then I would really, I would start to scream, I hate you, cancer, or... Yeah. I don't want to have this anymore. And I was just really getting it out. And that's when I really thought about how, kind of changing my thought pattern and developed my mantra. But my kids, my husband, nobody knew I had the mantra. Wow. And it, that's the beauty of it is you can be sitting in your doctor's office scared about mm. having an appointment or anxious about getting the test results or even going to get a scan and you can close your eyes and you can repeat your mantra over and over again to yourself. You don't even have to close your eyes and nobody has to know. Wow. And it's something that you can train yourself to use and it really can start to calm you instead of buying into the fear and anxiety that some of those situations can produce. Yes, because you have a choice in that moment. Beautiful. You have a choice. Beautifully said. Let's jump back to the book there. So you said at the end of each chapter, it talks about a different tribe. Help me understand more what that means. Okay. So at the end of every chapter, there are tips and there are over 50 tips in the whole book. Mm -hmm. But after each, after the tips at the end of each chapter, there is what I call a tribe tip. And that is a tip that speaks directly to the caregiver, a friend, or a family member. And it's something that they need to think about. For example, people said really, really things to me that hurt my feelings, things that I wish they hadn't said. So maybe one of the tribe tips might be, watch what you say to a cancer patient. Watch how you interact with them. 
don't say anything to them about their appearance. For example, mm. when you go through chemo, a lot of times you lose your hair. Don't say to someone, are you wearing a wig? Or oh, wow. did your hair fall out? Or, um, you know, it's shocking what people, people said to me. People said to me things like, my friend went through breast cancer two years ago and she died. And oh then my gosh. What do you say when someone says that, right? You just. Dara, you just say, oh my gosh. Okay. Or, or they say, I'm scared for your family. I'm terrified for your children. Things like that. And nobody was trying to hurt my feelings. Nobody was intentionally trying to um, cause me to think about all of the scary things that I would, that, that their statement could cause. Sure. But when you're going through cancer, you are especially sensitive. And so caregivers and family and friends really need to remember remember that. Yes. Wow. That's, you know, and I say that hearing you, hearing you voice that just now, I'm like, oh my gosh, can't people, can't believe people would say that. But the reality is I'm sure we've all said something insensitive like that, not even realized. So this is a really good reminder for me too, to be much more cognizant of anything I may say to people, because even though I may have good intentions, it doesn't mean it's hurt that way. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, jumping over to the supplemental workbook that goes along with that, that's, that's definitely something that you don't see in a lot of other books. Tell us more about the supplemental workbook. The supplemental workbook is not something that is a requirement. Yeah. You don't have to do it. It's not homework. But <laughs> if you if you read the book, it really it goes chapter by chapter. So for example, after you read the first chapter of Crush Cancer, you can go to the first chapter of the workbook. And so then you can work through the exercises. And they just go a little bit deeper. So mm -hmm. just taking what we talked about a few minutes ago with regards to the mantra, in that chapter we talk a little bit about how you would go about finding a mantra and how you can use it and what I used as my mantra, just things that I think really would have helped me in each chapter as I went through my journey. And, and there's over a hundred different exercises that I think really will help someone work through some of the feelings that they're experiencing because you have to make peace with mm -hmm. the fact that you got cancer. Yeah. You have to accept it. Once you learn to make peace with it and accept it, that's when you can really start to focus on your present moment and really focus on the rest of your life. Yes. And to take it from a psychological standpoint, so we have what's called, and I mentioned it earlier, is radical acceptance. Radical acceptance is a fancy term that basically says you radically accept the facts as they are. Doesn't mean you like them. Doesn't mean you have to agree with it. Doesn't mean any of that at all. But the facts are the facts and they ha are in the moment are not changed. So when you have that understanding, then what do you do with it? You then have the choice, not you personally, but people then have a choice to say, what do I do with it? So it's a concept I think that we all can, can need to learn, especially obviously you're teaching this as well, is that radical acceptance of if you focus on you don't want to have something, well, the facts are you do have something. What do you do with what you have with what you have in the moment? I love how you say that because when I really, after I went through everything, my treatment plan, and I found myself at the end of everything, mm -hmm. I felt really lost and I didn't know how to live. I didn't know where I fit in my life. And one thing that I didn't like about myself was the fact that I had been diagnosed with cancer at wow. age 42. I really didn't like that but there's nothing that I can do about it. Mm -hmm. It happened. It's just part of my story. And so once I allowed myself to accept that, and once I gave into the fact that you're, like you said, I don't have to like it, but I have to accept it. It's not going to change. 
I could really begin to heal yes. and I could really move forward and focus on the rest of my life. And that's such a beautiful start to, to live instead of to be caught up in the, in the, the, the rage or the fear or the um, disgruntlement, all of that. And that's, that's a beautiful gift you can give yourself to live. Absolutely. Yes. So if my listeners would like to find out more information about this amazing book, about your phenomenal uh, blog, Crazy Perfect Life, where will they find this information online? Well, they can visit me online at crazyperfectlife.com for lots of helpful tips, inspiration, humor. I have two teenage girls, so there's always <laughs> lots of humor on that blog. And they can, of course, buy my book on Amazon. That's the easiest place to get it because they can go on Amazon and have it sent to their house in the next couple of days or download it onto their um, digital in the, in the digital format. Perfect. Well, Daryl, I'm also going to put your book on my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com in my storefront there. So if my listeners aren't able to find it on amazon.com, just simply go to my website. Once again, jamesmillerlifeology.com and they can purchase it directly there as well. Daryl Kurtz, it was such a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for being a guest on my show today. It was an absolute pleasure getting to know you. Thank you so much for having me. I loved it. I also want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you joined with us today, or please go to my website where you may sign up for my free newsletter, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, or you may enroll in the Lifeology Academy where you can take self-directed courses which will help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. If you'd like to personally work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, simply visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support and I'll talk to you soon.